As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to your wellness journey with the detox yogi, Marla Barr. Marla dives into your wellness from every angle, discussing food, yoga, meditation, and relationships. If it can play a role in your wellness journey, she will cover it here. Now, here's Marla. What should we eat? What should we look like? How should we feel? What percentage of our day are we being bombarded with marketing, advertising, even friends and family, coworkers trying to answer these questions for us? And it seems like the answer is always changing. This week, we need high protein, low carbs. Then there was the Adkins diet, which is now the keto diet, low fat, paleo. If you look in any magazine, if you look in any ad out there, they're trying to answer for you, what should you eat? What should you look like? How should you feel? How is this that we don't know the answer for this? Humans have been on this planet for six million years. How can we not figure this out? I spent a good part of my career getting to watch wild animals. And it's just amazing to see that they know the answer to all of these. They know what they should eat. They know what they should look like. They know how they should be feeling. And they just do it. They just eat. They just look like something. They just feel. How have we been on this planet and supposedly the smartest being on this planet and still every single day, we're asking ourselves the same questions. So let's answer those questions today. So there's two ways that we want to look at this. And one is looking at where have we been? As I mentioned, you know, we've been on this planet, humans, in one form or another for over six million years. Uh, Probably, you know, if you look back two million years ago, we've been hunters, gatherers. We've only been considered modern humans for about 200,000 years. But we can learn so much from that. So what do, what do we know about where we've been and how can that answer why are we obsessed with an hourglass figure for women and why do we value muscles and why are kids so bonded to their friends and start to disassociate with their moms and, and their fathers at a young age naturally? How can we explain all this? Let's look at lovely cave people. So we have spent millions and millions of years on this planet and we were cave people. So what does that tell us? So we know that we lived in tribes of about five, six families. We know that we started parenting at about age 15. 
Moms breastfed for about four or five years, and then if they were lucky, they had their second child. We know that we didn't live till we hit 30, so maybe 26, 27, 28 was as long as you would be around. And that we know that to some degree, the men went out hunting or protecting And the women mostly stayed back and protected the children and got roots and berries and flowers and stuff to eat. So that's kind of what we know, but no one, no scientist exactly knows specifically of what we ate during the day. We can only guess, but there are some really good indicators of what we used to eat. And one of the ways that we can tell, I tell people, is smile. Smile as big as you can. Show me those pearly whites. With working with animals for so long, we would always look at the dental structure of animals to determine how did they eat? What did they eat? And the same is true for humans. Take a big smile. Now show me those canines. Do you have them? Can you see them? kind of interesting. We know which ones would be our canines if we had canines, but actually we don't. We don't have these long, well, unless you're a vampire or something, we don't have these long, sharp teeth like all carnivores do. So ripping and tearing into meat, no, not something we did. But does that mean we didn't eat meat? or protein from other animal sources. And no, it actually doesn't. What it means is we weren't biting and chewing into the flesh of other animals. So it still means that we could have consumed on a regular basis protein from non-vegetable, non-fruit, non-seed sources, but nothing you had to actually use your teeth to chew. So what does this mean? And how can we answer this question as to what did we eat and what are we supposed to eat? And the answer is found, thankfully, because I love talking about wild animals and the animals that I used to work with, is our closest relatives. We look at us lovely humans, our closest relatives we know are the great apes, the chimps, the orangs, the gorillas. Gorillas, I don't look at too much, even though we do share over 98% of our DNA with them. They end up being about twice the sizes we do, and there are some fairly significant differences in how they process food and how we process food. But then if we take it back and we look to chimpanzees and orangutans, chimpanzees and us, we share 99% of our DNA with them. And size-wise, gestation-wise, even average lifespan is very similar. So what can we learn from chimpanzees and even orangutans as to what we ate and what we should be eating? Both of them, although they live fairly far apart on this planet, have a very similar diet. It's about 60% fruit, about 35% plant-based. So it could be leaves and flowers, things that are other than fruit, but it's still plant-based. And then about 5% of the time they eat insects. Wow. Well, this is perfect. We know that we consume some kind of protein other than nuts and berries, not all the time, but once in a while. And we know we don't have the teeth, the physical structure to actually chew on animal flesh. So where are we getting the majority of our 
protein from, and it was insects, predominantly ants and termites, which is really interesting. So again, you know, once we go forward in time, did we start having things like dairy? Did we start having things like cows and eating things that were larger? Yeah, but were our bodies set up for it? You can answer that as well as I can. We just look at what has happened in the past, what we can learn from our closest relatives that are alive today and go forward. So how does this explain that our fascination with an hourglass figure for females? And if you think about it, it actually really makes sense. So say you are a caveman and you are looking for a mate. What would you really want in a partner? partner. You'd want to know that the woman can feed the child. Well, first of all, you want her to know that she isn't pregnant. So you're looking for someone that might have had a more slender waist. You know, if they had a more robust waist, that might tell you, hmm, maybe they are pregnant. You're looking for someone who has a larger chest, possibly, because that might tell you, Hmm, maybe they'd be able to feed my child. And then lastly, you'd look at someone who maybe has a wider hips because hmm, you'd be able to now birth this child. So that whole fascination that we have with an hourglass shape is about, are you pregnant right now? Meaning, do you have a smaller-ish waist? Can you birth this child? Which means you have a bit of a wider hips. And can you provide for this child, meaning breastfeed this child? That's where our whole fascination with the hourglass shape comes in. But is this realistic? You know, every time we get into a relationship with someone, do we need any of these things? We are evolved humans. We are no longer in this caveman era. We need to start thinking of, is this applicable? But if you look in any magazine cover, the fascination is this hourglass shape. So now that we know where it's from, it's been in our blood. It's part of what makes us who we are. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For millions and millions of years, okay, we can understand why we're fascinated by this, but is it applicable today? No. So do we need to be as fascinated with this anymore? Probably not. And what is the value of being super muscular if you are a male? So let's let's take this back. So what is, for millions of years when we were hunters and gatherers and when we were cave people, 
when we looked at males, pretty much the same thing. If you were very strong, would you you'd be able to protect? You would be able to produce maybe a stronger heir, which the women might look to in favor. So that was the goal. But we're not there anymore. We are totally evolved. We have we don't need hatchets and we don't need to make fire. We have cell phones and computers. We are considered evolved humans. Does that make sense? Do we need to place as much value on, hey, we need to go to the gym and have all this extra muscle? And it's just, it made sense a long, long time ago, but it no longer makes sense or is necessarily needed. So at least we understand where that instinct comes from. We understand it, but we recognize that that does not need to be our norm. We do not need to look like any of that. What is healthy and what is happy for you and I does not need to be what you see necessarily on the cover of a magazine. What does this also tell us about our friendships and the people that we surround ourselves with us? So let's go back to those caveman tribes that I was talking to you about. So we know that we have five to six families living together in a group. We became parents at about 15 years of age. We breastfed our children for four to five years. If we were lucky, we had, you know, women had two kids each. So let's put ourselves in that place again. We also know that we had, we lived to about 26, 27, 28 years old, very, very rarely do they find bones from that time where individuals were about 30 years of age. So we know that that was kind of the scenario playing out. So how does that have anything to do with the friendships that we have today and why they were so important at such a young age? And it's actually super cool And uh, thinking, okay, if you gave birth, if your mother gave birth to you when she was 15, so you were her very first kiddo, and she lived only till she was about 27, like all the other cave ladies out there, she would only be with you until you were about 12 years old. So she would never even have saw your first child being born. That's like crazy to think of. And it was interesting If you look at literature and you look at what science tells us, the concept of grandparents, having a parent that is now a grandparent, only goes back 30,000 years ago. Before that, no one became grandparents because no one lived that long. That's just nutso. So what can we learn from that? And why does that mean our peers and our friends are so important to us and have been since we were very young. So what we were taught for millions of years is that we knew that at the very most, our mom was going to be with us until we were maybe 12 years old. She was never going to see our first offspring, but we needed to stick together. You need more than just one human to rely on to raise your children to be safe. So you're going to need friends. You're going to need family. And is that going to be your sibling possibly that's coming down the road five years from now? Um, maybe not. They're going to be on a totally different track. And unfortunately for them, you know, they might only have your mother in your life for five, six, seven years. What they start to do is form bonds 
bonds with other children in the tribe that are about the same age or as similar age as possible. And you see this, you see this with children as soon as they enter kindergarten, they start forming these really strong bonds and slowly start to disassociate or slowly start to push themselves away from their parents. This makes sense. But the thing is, we are no longer cave people. We no longer have children at age 15 for the most part. We live well, well, well past 26, 27, 28. Inside each and every one of us is this little fight. We know that we are evolved. We know that we live into our 60s, 70s, 80s, some people into their 90s now. We know that chances are If we choose to have children, it's not going to be into our 30s now. So, so much of this has changed and it has changed so rapidly that we understand what's happening in our DNA. Our DNA is telling us for millions and millions of years, hey, your parents are not going to be around here for much longer. We need to form very close bonds with those around us that are the same age great. Our DNA tells us when you want to look for a female spouse, look for an hourglass shape. Great. We understand where that comes from. This tells us that when you're looking for a male mate, look for someone that is very strong. Your children might have a greater chance of being strong. And this gentleman or this caveman might have a greater tendency to protect you. We understand this. But the game has changed. It's only in the last, can you believe it that it's only in the last 30 years that we've had computers? Can you imagine today, just today, with absolutely no technology other than a radio and a couple stations on a TV? That was only 30 years ago. We've been on this planet for 6 million years. We have changed the rules so rapidly. It is not surprising that we are so confused or at odds or wanting to go back to another place. We have just like hit fast forward on this evolution thing in the last 30 years. It's understandable. What I do through my day is I look to things, questions that we have, and I start asking myself, am I making this decision or am I having this emotion based on the Neanderthal DNA that's floating through my system or through my evolved self, which has really only happened in the last 30 years for the entire planet. And then you come to a place where it's like, no, everyone does not need to be an hourglass. Men do not need to have these ginormous muscles. We can be with our parents, have longer relationships with them, but it also really helps us with raising children understand why are they so close to others and slowly starting to push me away. So I hope this um, gives you a lot of food for thought and back to food for thought, a lot of food for thought as to what we should eat as well. And it's just amazing to think that those that are closest to us right now, the chimps and orangutans, they've got this figured out. For the vast majority, our diet is plant-based. Your stomach doesn't lie. Your teeth don't lie. Looking at DNA, it doesn't lie. So the next time a fad diet comes up, you can say, yep, chimpanzee, I know exactly what I should be doing. I'm not saying go out there and start eating a whole bunch of termites unless that's exactly what you want to do. But also these diets that come up that say we should be eating 
25% of calories from protein. It's humans on this planet have never consumed 25% of our calories from protein, and we shouldn't be. Hopefully this gives you a lot of good food for thought and helps you really put things in perspective. So when you see those magazine covers and you see those new diet fads that are out there, you're like, yeah, I understand where that's coming from, but that is not me and that is not us as a society today. So thank you. I hope you guys make lots of money out there, but this is not part of my wellness journey. This does not impact how I look at myself or others around me. I wish you the very, very best on your wellness journey. You've been listening to Your Wellness Journey with Marla Barr. To continue your journey after the show, go to blissbodywellness.ca and follow Marla at blissbodywellness on Instagram and YouTube. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.